0: Hey everyone and welcome to our new episode of the Modern Employer podcast channel. Today we're going to be talking about ways of scaling with people at heart. Talking specifically about startups that are looking to scale and maintain their culture or even make their culture better. We have an awesome guest here with us today, Jack Billers. Jack, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yes, thank you so much. Um... Hey everyone. So uh, my name is Jack. I'm currently the uh, founder and CEO of Kula. Um, Kula is a uh, training, consulting, and coaching company. Um, and basically, we work sort of advising uh, or consulting with startups across core uh, three core main areas. Uh, one is the sort of end to end people experience. So how do you build, you know, a culture where people Uh, or a company where people love to work um, and, you know, set up the processes and stuff so you're you're ready to to scale and hire the right right people. Uh, The other is uh, diversity, equity and inclusion and then the other is leadership development. Uh, I started my career when I was about 17 or 18, I think I took my first role in a tech company working in talent. so started off pretty young. Spent my first five years working sort of mainly as a recruiter, hiring engineers, technical people. Uh, I then went on to work at Just Eat where I was leading a sort of technology talent acquisition. Uh, joined the company when they were going through a sort of crazy growth spurt. So from about maybe 500 to, to 1,500 people. So that was that was pretty fun, pretty crazy. And then after that, I went and headed up uh, talent at Monzo so I joined Monzo when they were about 150 people uh, and again it was a pretty rapid scaling story over two years we grew to sort of 1500 plus um, and then I decided to start cooler so yeah lots of experience sort of working and consulting in uh, startup scale-ups uh, also some companies when they've got to the kind of more uh, bigger corporate stage um, and yeah I'm kind of a, a lover of all things around uh, people, culture, talent that's kind of my jam.
0: Awesome, and I mean, I cannot wait to hear more of your insights on some of these subjects. Uh, just to give another shout to Karthika,
2: who is here with us, as always. Hey guys, I'm very excited about this week's episode. Um, can't wait to speak to Jack a little bit more about um, his experiences, and I'm sure this one is going to intrigue everyone hopefully not too controversial
0: then. No. <laughs> well we are we're all about progressive ways of working here right so i uh, i guess let me just introduce you guys to the value uh, that we want to bring you today so we're mostly going to be focusing on uh people people and organizations who are going through a period of growth we will talk about why um scaling and maintaining culture at the same time is so hard we will talk about some examples and suggestions for how to scale and do it in a way that you don't ruin your culture uh, in your company, and also things that we can do today to help us prepare for scale. Because obviously there are some companies that are not scaling this year. Maybe they're there. Maybe they're in a halt. Maybe they're waiting. But while they're waiting, uh, why why hibernate? Why not prepare for the future? So the first topic, uh, I'm very excited about this because we talked about this uh, already with you guys, didn't we? And it was it was lots of stuff to share, but why is scaling and maintaining culture so hard? So uh, a, a bit of kind of intro into this, I uh, read some is uh, research from Office Vibes, um, uh, kind of state of employee engagement. And they shared with us that uh, 19% of employees do not understand their core values or simply don't know them. Very interesting. So how are you going to scale your business now when uh, already such a large percentage of your people don't know what your core values are? And another thing is one out of four employees are either indifferent or don't know much about their company's mission interesting maybe this is maybe this is another hook that we can take away from this and and build our strategy on going forward but first question over there to jack jack why do you think it's so hard to scale and uh maintain culture as you do it
1: this maybe a good place to start or an analogy that I found uh, really useful when trying to kind of articulate why it is so difficult is let's look at, um, I guess, the real world and kind of countries and communities. So when you start off with, say, you know, a group of people, you know, band together and decide to start living somewhere, and let's say that it's at the size of a village, right? And then You know, at that stage, I guess, you know, they're all probably like one kind of big family. Uh, Decisions are made easier because there's less kind of opinions and things to happen. Um, And, you know, they're quite like harmonious, as they say, living in their village. Then as it grows to the next stage and it goes to a town, it's like, okay, well, we're a functioning town now. There's a lot of different things to think about. Um, You know, so there's different opinions, there's different needs, there's different requirements. Um, And the same again, when it goes to like a city, to a country. So I guess the way that I think about organizations sometimes with that analogy is scaling and running a successful organization is almost like uh, probably the equivalent of running uh, and scaling a successful country. I think we probably all see uh, right now how difficult it must be to run a country. Um, so hard. So I
2: love
1: that. <laughs> yeah, I, li- I like to use that analogy because I think it frames it quite nicely that, you know, organizations are, I guess, in a, in a way that I look at them, they're kind of living things. So kind of culture behaviors uh ways of things happening that forms whether you like it or not so when we think about this in an organizational perspective um you know we've really got to be kind of intentional and deliberate uh about scaling and i think one of the things that i really do believe in i think um you know probably once upon a time in my career i was a little bit sceptical about things like values or operating principles. And I think the main reason for this is because some of the companies or all the sort of ways of companies doing it that I witnessed was very much like, Oh, you know, we've got these values, um, you know, they're kind of like on the wall. And yeah, you know, these are our values, they're on our website. And, you know, we talk about them every so often, but I really think considering how hard it is to scale, um, and you know, when you're adding lots of people and things are changing very quickly, I do really think the values is is a great place to start. And I think it's the one thing that even though it is difficult to scale, if you can get your values and your operating principles right and work as a group, then this is like a really, really good place to start. But I think, you know, in general, it's, you know, the more people you add, different ways of working, different opinions, different behaviors, um, you know, different ways of being. So, you know, human sort of behavior in that way isn't something that we can predict. So it makes it makes sort of, um, you know, everyone's so unique. It makes scaling, um, you know, difficult. Like the big question for me is how do you sort of keep an aligned culture or a group of people aligned in their way of working and doing things so they can kind of get on and work harmoniously when you're constantly having to add more people? Mm hmm.
0: I absolutely agree. And Kartika, I know you kind of, as an organizational psychologist, what is your perspective on this?
2: So, uh, as we spoke about um, last week, you know, we were thinking about long term strategy and one thing I said is, what is very important is framework right so you have to get the framework right to get the fundamentals and then you build your culture off your framework so uh, I think when we scale we become so much more ingrained into process Um, and sometimes we forget about the behaviors and the rewards and the motivations of um, individuals in itself Um, and when we forget that um, and we scale our processes we sort of hit our we hit our strategic direction because that's the direction the business wants to go in, and that makes sense. But we lose the fundamental part of what what rewards, what motivates people, what um, gives a business life. Um, you know, what who are the people working within our business? What's our what's our inclusivity plans? What's our you know diversity? Because you know, in a business, you know, everyone's talking now about diversity. So we're building. Uh, as we scale a lot of companies now are scaling with diversity in mind and um, you know implementing more diverse metrics and um one thing that they're doing while scaling is also building an inclusivity culture um so having an inclusive culture um in that as well um but it's really important to know that each behavior um is different and their motivations when you're building an in, in an organization everyone's behaviors are very different as jack said um, so it's really about scaling that w- scaling with that in mind um, that you are dealing with different behaviors um, you're building with diversity you're um, starting to build with inclusivity at the same time um, and we tend to forget part of the scaling is also building processes around people um, specifically not just building Uh, processes and tasks and, um, you know, aligning people to that, but it's also about making sure that the people within our business, um, are aligned to our culture, our needs, our growth, um, our business direction, our mission, our values. And one of the things you said initially Olia, was that only one in four employees are either indifferent or don't know much about the company's mission. And I think when you don't know about the company's mission, the direction of the business and the strategic direction, um, you tend to get a lot of people who who are misaligned with where the company is going and growing Um, and one of the things um, I always hear is from startup to scale up you end up losing a lot of people and it's called the transitional scale up um, time where you end up losing a lot of people and the reason for that is because as a startup you're working very reactively you're working um, quickly, you're working reactively, you're, you're built the culture accordingly to the behaviors of the people that initially came to execute those ideas. And then as you scale, you're building matrixes, you're building hierarchy, um, you're building all of these things that you know is not being explained properly. Um, and you're not explaining your progression, you're not putting all of these fundamental processes to drive people's behavior, to seeing your mission and growth um within the company and so therefore they take their skills elsewhere um and one of the things is you know with culture and scaling you you end up getting polarities um all the time you get these uh, polarities of okay you know we have to do all our tasks and especially now in this virtual world you have to do all these tasks but you have to also make sure that people are you know, making personal relationships with each other, especially in a virtual world um, now, so that we get that layer as well. Um, especially in a scaling business, that becomes a very difficult area to scale um, well, um, but it can be done. And it can easily be done to, uh, as Jack said, intentional, uh, making your intentions clear. And I, I know a lot of the time, uh, a lot of employees, um, moan about especially in transitional scaling cultures um, moan about um, the transparency of the business and what they actually mean when they say the transparency of the business is actually how are we being communicated to you know if we're adding layers of people on top of us why why is that happening um you know how is that going to help this person's progression um you know the, these are the people who built the foundations and they want to know that you know that. That the mission that they started is still the mission and the strategy and direction is still where they want to be and grow um and yes maybe the culture has slightly shifted maybe your um, slt has slightly changed as you go through a series of funding that could genuinely happen um and maybe the direction of the business has changed but it's important to to address that um as best as possible with the whole company and be as transparent as possible with the communications and being to have that intentional communication
0: I think mm-hmm. and to be honest like we you you guys are you guys are talking about some some things that we can already be kind of suggesting now to our audience for uh, what do you do now when you scale kind of to to set this to set this right how can we do it in the best way possible uh, Jack, I know you have some experience with scaling uh, startups. Could you tell us kind of some examples or some suggestions of how scaling was done right? Yeah, for sure. I think one thing probably just to call out um, on, on the previous point is, I think to say it in sort of a very simple way is
1: sometimes as the company grows, there is a friction between what might be best or be perceived to be best for the people, the employees, the experience that they're having, um, whether that's groups of them or them as individuals, and what feels best for the company to have, you know, success, growth, to hit its targets. And that's why I think quite often, um, you know, the last thing on this to say is that the people that take you from your seed stage to series A and to series B might be very different from the people that take you from, you know, your B to C to D to E, you know, to an IPO, to an exit. So I think it's just kind of consciously, um, you know, being aware that there sometimes is a friction there and that, you know, the people that get you that far might not be the ones for the future. So I think a really good framing for that is how can companies make it not a sort of taboo thing that sometimes, you know, you might not be the person to take to take it to that next stage in that role. And it might require someone else because of where the business is going, or it might not necessarily align with your values. That's just one thing sort of, I guess, to, to, to wrap up that was in my mind on that. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, yeah, approaches, uh, you know, for, for scaling, I guess, in like a healthy way or what I think the best things to do are. So, yeah, you know, I'll probably talk about it and talk about it. But I think the values and operating principles are absolutely key. So I would always suggest for the startup, um, sometimes I think as a startup you sort of feel, oh, well, you know, maybe we do that when we're like 150 people. I think it's really, really great for businesses as early as possible to get super reflective and clear on what's the mission, what's the vision, you know, what's the values and what are the sort of operating principles with those values in terms of how we make decisions. So I think firstly getting really, really clear on those and then taking those from, being, you know, a kind of manifesto or behaviors that you've agreed through a survey, through workshops, through sort of crafting them as a company and making them really real. So what I tend to do is ask myself every single process that I build in a startup or a, or a scaling company, well, how are we embedding the values in this? You know, whether that's just the kind of feel or the experience. So maybe if we're talking about hiring people, it's like, how do we embed the values into candidate experience? Or if it's uh, how we do performance management and enablement, it's, okay, well, how do we embed the values, you know, into uh, the way that we do performance management or that our reviews look like how they feel and what the employee's experiences. So I think you need to take those values and almost map them to your company processes and ask yourself for each process. Well, how are we using the values and operating principles to make this process more values driven, more aligned? and to make people kind of feel or sort of reinforce and embed uh, the values and operating principles that we're setting. And there's a really, really powerful thing within that. I think that, um, you know, I think uh, the the Netflix book about no rules that came out recently is a really good example. You know, they didn't have uh, Netflix like a really core, uh, you know, type like, here's the expenses policy, here's how it works. You know, the way that expenses would work in the company would be, you know, derive from, you know, we'll follow how, look at our values and that should interpret what it means. And I think they found um, uh, from from what I read is like, you know, they found that most people stuck to that expense policy overall, even though that there wasn't strict rules because they really embedded the values and the ways of thinking. So I think almost if you can get that alignment, not only are you going to scale in a healthy way and when you add more people, they should straight away through all their experiences and that, you know, the hiring experience, the onboarding experience, their first performance experience, um, you know, all of these types of things, you know, it should straight away give them a feeling of what the value's about. And hopefully processes can be a little bit more agile and autonomous because rather than having to have a step-by-step or here's what you do for this process, it's like, okay, well, there's some decisions to make during this process and you can look to the values and the operating principles as your kind of guides to make the right decision. So I'm a big believer that that's a great place to start and what that really does is also builds a culture of sort of self-responsibility and autonomy of people using the values and the operating principles to make those decisions and you know you can't help but then when you add more people they feel those values they get really really clear by the time that they join your company here's the company I'm joining and here's the way that we operate based on our values. And I think that really promotes um, healthy scaling. So that would kind of be like my number number one tip, um, which I think has the most impacts, like holistically across an organization.
0: Yeah, I could really see how this could work. Um, I think with, with kind of something that I was thinking about a lot recently was also uh, how do you adjust your culture uh, and your culture initiatives to be uh, a, a process as well. So how do you look at your culture as a form of product that you offer to people so that when you scale uh, that product to cater for a larger audience uh, you, you learn of and, and you put in place kind of some new ways of understanding what your people want at any point of uh, of that journey of scaling, uh, understanding how to communicate with them and all those journeys and how to keep conveying that mission so when you're hiring uh one person a month how do you convey your values and then when that scales to uh 10 20 people a month how do you make sure that you keep conveying <laughs> that mission and uh the the way that you do it uh, kind of does not suffer do you have any uh, other ideas Karthika?
2: Yeah, absolutely. When, when we think about scaling done right, we have, um, as I mentioned before, we have each person's behaviors and each person's motivations within a business. Um, and as Jack said, a lot of the times it is everyday small behaviors um, that is implemented within the business, and it's a very small thing that could um, be ultimately changed to to sit well within our values or um, within a process that is slightly changed um, to improve that process to make sure that our values are met. Um, you know, just as an example, for instance, you know, when you're talking about performance management, if you found out um, that women in your company were not doing so well when it came to performance management because um, they were giving out their survey results earlier to the manager and the manager was reading this um, so they you know you're finding out there's obviously some discrepancy there um, between women in your in your organization so maybe you want to address that. Um, and that is part of your values. Maybe your value is radical candor and therefore you're going to um, express that actually there is something wrong within this and this is what we've identified and we're going to change that slight process and make sure that um, managers don't receive that feedback um, you know, at the performance review stage um, before they were able to get their feedback. Um, and that feedback. And that was very, that's a very simple, simple, and uh, simple example for um for that but you know when we when we think about scaling done right it has to be done right in in the first moment somebody come comes into the business or reads a job description or anything like that um so every as i said everyday values need to be um implemented in let's say your job description in your uh, recruitment processes in, in in your hiring processes in um your onboarding your um all the way through to somebody leaving you, um, and I think that's the one area that you know we we forget as we scale. Um, as Jack said, there are going to be some people that's going to have a natural churn rate, um, but le- but having them leave you um, with all your values implemented into your day to day processes, but even the offboarding process um, is very important in that. Um, but there are so many things that we can do. Um, to make sure that scaling is done correctly um, and is done very well. And we just have to look into what people people's behaviors, what they want, um, ask the right questions, um, take in um, as many questions and intake questions as possible. Um, we spoke about this last week, about intake questions and making sure we're asking the right questions at the right time to the right people, um, making sure that everyone is on board because everyone's behaviors is very different and everyone's motivations is very different. So, um, you know, their buy-in is going to be, the buy-in is going to be for a different emotional reason um so their values you know you might have a set of core values but um how that is perceived by each person might look different and it's very important to address what that looks like for all of your business and for each individual specifically because um then you know the way they're working how they're working what they believe that core value looks like and maybe um you're putting all of this together as a business and going actually this is a wonderful direction to go in and this is a great value to have um, maybe we can even add some values in here, um, that would really direct, um, our, our business in the right way.
0: Mm, I think oh. go for it, Jack.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. There's just one thing that was kind of the burning came into my head as I finished, um, talking about the values, which was probably just, uh, my background, obviously mainly, uh, coming from a sort of talent and recruiting background is how important hiring is, the scaling done, Right. So I do really believe that, you know, obviously you need to hire fast, right? This is kind of the pressure, you know, you're a growing startup, uh, you know, you get like your venture capital funding, and you know, everything's like higher, 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 you know, you've know, you got to add people, you've got to move faster, you've got to hit these goals. And I think one of the challenges with that is sometimes as a startup is, you know, you hire so fast that you don't hire right. And then sometimes you have this feeling of when you do hire and if someone's maybe not quite working out. But just because you sort of need, uh, you know, someone in that role doing that work, you kind of stick with it. But I really believe, you know, hire sort of slowly in a way if you can and keep the bar super high. And if someone's not working out, of course, in a very, like, you know, compassionate and thoughtful way, then part ways or, or fire them basically as quickly as you can. Because I really think this has a massive, massive impact on how you scale. I think you really need to think about uh, the people that you're bringing on board. And I think a lot of startups, um, especially again, when they get pumped with, with VC money and they have big targets, um, you know, they just hire and hire and hire and they don't really think about, okay, well, who are we hiring? Why are we hiring them? What value are they really gonna add? What are they gonna bring in terms of sort of culture and helping us on this journey that we're on? Um, and I think sometimes that has quite a big uh impact on not scaling in the best way because it kind of i guess sort of breaks that alignment that you have you're not hiring the perfect people who are really going to bring something to the business so i guess just yeah final more like actionable tip would be get serious about your headcount planning and really ask questions who are we hiring why are we hiring are they raising the bar what are they bringing to the table and don't make it a taboo thing to say okay you know the people that we've hired if it doesn't work out don't feel um you know that you need to sort of, uh, I guess, like sit with that. The best thing that you can probably do in a compassionate way is always with someone um, because you know they're probably not quite right for the journey. So, yeah, just an actionable call out to to get serious about headcount planning and who you're bringing in. And, you know, and, sure that you're always raising the bar.
2: And Jack, just just on that point, you know, obviously you said obviously there's with scaling and hiring that falls under talent, of course, um, but as a talent strategy you need you know you need a bunch of people who understand how to how to scale right and how to hire right and who to look out for and what to look out for um and that requires a level of buying um from your stakeholders in that process and a level of training that they need to go through as well because i i think a lot of the time it's it's left up to the recruiter to get it right <laughs> a lot of the time, and um, I, I don't think that's true. I think it, it's a collaborative effort, and the more you can collaborate and collaborate in the process of, of scaling correctly and hiring right, um, the better hires and the more quality hires you get. And yes, that might require you training and giving up more time, um, to get the process correct, but as Jack, as you said, like you want. Quality um, first, um, especially in a scaling scaling environment. Yeah, it's the partnership model. I mean, if we're thinking about it from, let's say that
1: we're we're set. Well, what we're saying is basically that the people that you add make an impact on how you're going to scale, right? Which I think is is a fairly um, you know accurate uh, statement. So one of the first things that I think about if I you know if I had a talent lead and we're building a talent team in a new company and we've got to grow is how can we move that talent team to working as a partnership model with the stakeholders as quickly as possible? Because quite a lot of the time, I think, uh, especially in the early days when you're growing really fast, is recruitment teams sort of become this kind of thing that it's like, you know, throw the roll over the fence, they'll make it happen, you know, I'll turn up to the interviews. But I really think, um, you know, if there was anyone listening on the call, I guess who was more like, uh, you know, an engineering manager or, you know, a head of operations who needs to hire their team, Invest that time partnering with, um, you know, your talent team. Because if they get that input from you, they get that buy-in from you. Then you're going to get the right outcomes from a hiring perspective from day one, and that's basically going to have a big impact on, you know, how you scale and the people that you bring in.
2: Yeah, it's- and I think definitely uh, uh, as a team, we just need to be able to enable our stakeholders with information and data and metrics and the right type of metrics to 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 get that buy-in and we've spoken about this in previous podcasts about getting the metrics um and that data um and also the scientific and the science behind it um as well to to also make sure that that the buy-in is is there specifically
0: so let's me let me just summarize everything that we spoke about so far so i mean it sounds like there is a lot of uh importance that all three of us kind of place on uh, knowing our mission and communicating our mission, uh, understanding our values and embedding our values into processes um, that can help us scale, but can also help us scale with those values at heart. And another huge, huge thing about hiring and uh, bringing The right talent that uh, is not only capable of taking us through whatever stage we're in at the moment but also talent that is going to add on to our culture rather than chip off some bits of it and just one thing that i wanted to add after listening to you guys reminded me um, I've watched uh, a video some time ago now that was about um, kind of how larger uh, companies when they scale they lose that founder mentality that they've started with so that sense of disrupting
2: the industry video, the way,
0: it. yeah it's amazing that, that, video. <laughs> that yeah. sense of like we'll put a link to that
2: video.
0: yeah we're gonna I'm <laughs> gonna put a link to that video under the podcast uh, but honestly it's the fact that uh, whenever you bring new people in at whatever stage you're at let's say you are over a hundred people and you want to go further you want to keep scaling and then you bring people into your business uh, who, um, who are coming from larger cumbersome companies that have lost their founder mentality uh, long ago and what you're essentially doing is you, you keep you keep killing your initial culture by uh, by bringing some people in who are super comfortable with remaining cumbersome remaining stagnant remaining kind of non-progressive um, in their ways um so hiring super super important um and honestly i feel like a lot of you had uh just so much to offer for our listeners today um and i guess just one last thing that i wanted to uh, ask you guys um just because it's relevant right uh when when everything blows over um for you know our lockdown whatever a lot of companies are going to try and remain virtual first uh but you know nobody cancels out scale still so do you have any suggestions or jack if you have any any of your progressive thinking on that subject that you can offer us karthika as well how do you recommend um scaling while being virtual first as well because that presents with its own challenges too Uh, so i'm gonna throw that question out there whoever wants to pick it up go for it yeah yeah it's an interesting question and just um
1: context on my experience obviously of course like everyone i've worked remotely for the last year or so um prior to that i've worked in companies that i was saying were more of a sort of hybrid model Um, And, uh, you know, in terms of the upcoming stuff I'm working on, uh, I'm going to be working a lot more uh, with uh, a fully remote company. So it's a question that I'm definitely asking myself, like, how do you, you know, scale in a healthy way, build a really connected culture, a place that people love to work, but you're not actually in the same place as each other? where my thinking has got to so far so less of like experience because like i said most of the the companies i've worked for haven't been uh, you know fully remote is i think you need to start from the top and thinking as a company what are the things that keep us connected and to me um i think it's kind of rituals and habits so we've spoken about values right and if you think about the next level down from the values what i always ask myself is what are the rituals and what are the habits that then support these values as well as having them embedded in your process and I think that if you're in a fully remote world, it's so, so important in terms of communication to think, okay, well, how do we connect together? What is the cadence of which, as a whole company, we connect together and how often? And how do we make sure that, yes, that's useful in terms of you know, updating on the company's strategy, what we're doing, where we're going, but also connecting with each other. And then I think about it you know, one level down. How do we look at that at a team level? How do we make sure that teams are working well together But they're also getting that time for connection so it's not necessarily like specific actionable stuff but i guess i'm thinking about it more at the moment on a theoretical level and that if you can put in place the right rituals and habits that support staying connected in a remote world then that's probably going to be the best place to start i think it's really important um, when you're working in a fully remote culture that you over communicate So having really good documentation, whether it's Notion, whether it's Confluence, whatever it is, having really, really good, clear documentation that keeps people aligned. How are things going? You master asynchronous communication, and you're also not afraid to think, okay, well, if we were in the office, we would spend some time not necessarily doing things that would be considered productive towards OKRs or whatever, but would actually just be connecting with each other so there's tons of little add-ons that go on slack that pair people up for you know random one-to-ones or pull them into like a hallway chat um things like that so i would think about it like what are the processes what are the tools and technology that can help with this in a fully remote world and let's set some really clear principles on guidance on how and when we communicate with each other and make sure that those are regular rituals and habits um so that's where i've got to with my thinking so far but um, you know, it's definitely something. I know there's a, a couple of really good books, like the one from Basecamp, um, which I'm definitely planning to read. That talks about how they built a very connected uh, remote culture.
2: And Jack, uh, on on your point in in organizational psychology, we actually call that polarity, um, and it, it's about you know people's polar opposite of building sort of relationships, especially now, as I said before, in virtual worlds um you're trying to make sure you have time to build that personal relationship because you don't have the office anymore to do that um but also you need time to do your tasks and um you know i think it's really important to set the communication and intent that it's okay to have those polar opposite um notions in your head um, about, you know, we got to get tasks done, we've got to get processes done. Um, but we also need to build personal relationships. Um, because sometimes personal relationships is building, you know, your, your team, it's building personal relationships with your team, knowing how they work, um, so that the tasks can get done. And it's really important to have that level of communication and for your teams to be able to understand that that's okay. Um, but don't be giving more time to to building just personal relationships whilst you're your virtual first without getting the tasks done. And so giving them and enabling your team to see, okay, how how are you able to balance that? Because you know some people's behaviours are maybe more extroverted um, in the workplace, and therefore it's very very important that you know if you're an extroverted person, they might be more focused, especially in a virtual world, on um building relationships whereas they're not getting their tasks or dead or meeting deadlines but if they're not meeting deadlines it's important that we have tools and um, areas and especially you know resources in place where we can pinpoint to those people exactly where, where they're they're going wrong and how how to help them and as a business we need to be able to enable and resource our our employees as much as possible, and make them understand also that it's okay to have these um, polarities, especially when we are in a virtual first world, and that we need to be able to to do that. And one of the one of the key key points also is um, something called um, SBI, and I don't know if you guys have heard of this, um, but it's uh situational behavior impact basically basically um and a lot of companies do use this and i think it's really ma- now more important especially when you're in virtual first world is so you think about your situation you describe when and where of that situation and then you get sort of that feedback and then you think about your behavior you describe the other person's behavior, for instance, um, but only mention when the actions that you have observed yourself. So this is about giving sort of really good feedback, especially when you're in in that you know virtual first zone. Um, and then the impact communicate an impact on the person's behaviour on you and your team and the organisation. And um, I think because when we're in an office, we don't we naturally use the SBI model uh, because we're seeing people we're we're seeing their emotions, we're seeing um, a lot more um, of how they're acting. Maybe they're acting differently, but in a virtual world, that's much more. Um, difficult to understand so um, taking away that situation behavior impact and making sure your feedback and you you've enabled your um, employees to know how to give the relevant feedback using that SBI model is very very important um, in my opinion
0: you both i think really good really really good suggestions um one piece of banana for me on this uh, is just that uh, i would also look at reviewing uh what engages your people uh, today so yes exactly like you said jack we've all been working from home for like 10 months um almost a year so uh, so how did our people adjust to this remote working what do they find attractive versus repulsive about this entire experience and then what part of their working life do they now look forward to versus what drains them more than usual i would use those insights to then create better engagement strategy going forward review ways of working to cater for uh the demand of what basically people are looking for right now what's essential for them today uh in this in this very moment and that would be just one final piece of uh practical advice on this subject um so we're coming to the end of our podcast guys it was a pleasure thank you jack so much for joining us today yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, we, uh, as always, are looking forward to uh, your guys' feedback. So let us know on LinkedIn if you have any other suggestions for how to scale with people at heart. Otherwise, feel free to hit me or Karthika up on LinkedIn, and also check out Jack yeah, and see. the work that he does.
2: Absolutely, hit Jack up as well. Um, I'm sure he's happy to take questions. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much. Sounds good. Brilliant. Awesome.
2: Thank
0: everyone, and bye bye for now. Thanks everyone not. for listening.
1: Everyone, cheers.